You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. The only Hollywood movies about Hollywood movies that are worth watching are the ones that treat the whole enterprise with a healthy contempt. Think of Barton Fink, The Player, Sullivan's Travels, Ed Wood and Singing in the Rain. The reason they work is because they resolutely resist the temptation to cozy up to Hollywood's fireside and believe the tall tales of living in luxurious torment. The truth is that while audiences may dream of living like movie stars, most audiences don't actually want to be movie stars. Sure, we'll take the fortune, but seriously, the fame? When the likes of Kim Kardashian and Snooki are famous, the whole experience of adulation loses its essence. Anyone can be famous, so why be famous? She was the greatest of them all. You wouldn't know, you're too young. In one week, she received 17,000 fan letters. Men bribed the hairdresser to get a lock of her hair. There was a Maharaja who came all the way from India to beg one of her silk stockings. Later, he strangled himself with it. And when it comes to examining Hollywood fame and all the inanity that goes with it, no film comes close to the savagery of Sunset Boulevard. The film begins with a shot of the Hollywood sidewalk, the abbreviated name of the street stenciled in white against the black stone. And from there, we are whisked away to a crime scene. In other words, this movie starts in the gutter and will never venture far from dirty deeds in dirty places. Although by the time he made Sunset Boulevard in 1950, writer, producer and director Billy Wilder was already a multi-Oscar winner, yet he considered himself an outsider. He was born in Austria and had started his career as a journalist. Drifting into film, his apprenticeship had been at the side of another Austrian director who came to America, Ernst Lubitsch. And while Lubitsch made sophisticated comedies that bubbled like champagne in the evening sun, Wilder's sensibility always ran darker. Just how dark is indicated by the manner in which Wilder originally wanted Sunset Boulevard to begin. The version we know today starts with a washed-up Hollywood scriptwriter being fished out of a swimming pool, having been gunned down in the night by a forgotten Hollywood movie star. But Wilder wanted to open the film in a morgue, tracking along the corpses lying out on the cold slabs. The only thing we see of them are the name tags tied to their feet. We move along the aisle until suddenly one of the corpses sits up and starts addressing the camera. It is hard to imagine how that would have played. Would the audience have laughed? Could the movie have recovered from, or at least lived up to, such a macabre opening? Either way, the story is about a struggling Hollywood scriptwriter, Joe Gillis, played by William Holden, who is being hounded by debt collectors. Trying to avoid them yet again, he ducks into a driveway and finds himself in the grounds of a mansion belonging to a faded movie star. That faded star, Norman Desmond, was played by a real-life faded star, Gloria Swanson. So in different ways, the film is about characters trying to reclaim their former selves. Wait a minute, haven't I seen you before? I know your face. Get out, or shall I call my servant? You're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big. 
I am big. It's the picture that got small. I knew there was something wrong. They're dead. They're finished. There was a time in this business when they had the eyes of the whole wide world. But that wasn't good enough for them. Oh, no. They had to have the ears of the world, too. So they opened their big mouths, and out came talk. Talk, talk. That's where the popcorn business comes in. You buy yourself a bag and plug up your ears. And as if to underline the theme of dimming youth and fame, Gloria Swanson was far from the first choice for the lead. Initially, Billy Wilder had considered approaching Greta Garbo, but he always knew that would be a long shot, so instead he sent the script to Mary Pickford. Back in the silent era, Pickford had been called America's sweetheart, but although she hadn't made a movie in 17 years, Pickford asked for a fee that was way beyond Wilder's budget. Next, he went to Mae West, but she scoffed at the notion of her playing a has-been. Running out of options, Wilder then went to Lillian Gish, an actress who had been famous for playing much put-upon maidens in films directed by D.W. Griffith. But halfway through pitching her the idea, Wilder realised that Gish would have been completely wrong for the part. He apologised, beat a hasty retreat, and beat an even hastier path to the door of Gloria Swanson. Back in 1934, Wilder had co-scripted a movie called Music in the Air that had starred Gloria Swanson. Swanson had only made one film since, so she sees the Sunset Boulevard script as if it were a lifeline. Still wonderful, isn't it? And no dialogue. We didn't need dialogue. We had faces. There just aren't any faces like that anymore. Maybe one, Garbo. Those idiot producers. Those imbeciles. Haven't they got any eyes? Have they forgotten what a star looks like? I'll show them. I'll be up there again, so help me. As for who would play the role of hapless screenwriter Joe Gillis, Wilder again faced difficulties in finding the right actor. Montgomery Clift was approached and said yes, but inexplicably backed out a mere fortnight before filming. Gene Kelly was considered, but things never got beyond a few phone calls. Amazing as it may sound, Marlon Brando was mentioned, but again, things didn't get beyond polite inquiries. All I can say is that fine as all those actors are, in all likelihood, they would have been disastrous. As written by Wilder and his collaborator Charles Brackett, screenwriter Joe Gillies is sardonic and self-deprecating. Clift only ever played tormented souls, and he would have completely missed the humour. Brando would have been all sex and mumbling sweat. And as for Gene Kelly, well, there's not much dancing in Sunset Boulevard. However, reservations aside, what all those actors had in common at the time is youth and strong physical presence. So the fact that Billy Wilder finally settled on William Holden is a stroke of fortune. Holden was a past master at mocking everything, including himself, which was half the movie's tone. Well, I had no pressing engagement, except with those boys from the finance office. And she'd mentioned something to drink. Why not? Sometimes it's interesting to see just how bad bad writing can be. This promised to go the limit. I wondered what a handwriting expert would make of that childish scrawl of hers. But what stops the movie from genuflecting before Hollywood's high altar of egomania is Norma Desmond herself. In truth, Norma's situation is a reality we all have and something we all live in dread of losing. The most beautiful movie stars have it more than the rest of us mere mortals. And because of that, what they have is only a magnification of what we want. And when they lose it, it is as if all our worst fears have come to pass. Sure, the film pretends to be about stardom, 
but really it is about the human face. Really it is about yearning to remain young and vital. And in that way, Sunset Boulevard is a close-up, not of the 50s, but of today. Our culture is obsessed with all things bright and shiny, and it is the face that, well, is the face of all things bright and shiny. You heard him? I'm a star. Norma, you're a woman of 50. Now grow up. There's nothing tragic about being 50. Not unless you try to be 25. Goodbye, Norma. No one ever leaves the star. But Sunset Boulevard goes behind the face of fame and shows us something dim and grubby. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. <laughs> 